Hi there, everyone. Welcome to Enterprise Eyeballs. Today, we are flipping the script for the 20th episode, and I will be your host. My name is Michaela, and I am the head of customer success for Incentive Pilot. My guest, you know him well, Andrew Phelps, creator of Enterprise Eyeballs and CEO of Incentive Pilot. How are you doing, Andrew? I'm great. Thank you for taking over the hosting today. Absolutely. This will be fun. (laughs) So today, as you can see by the incredible hat on Andrew's head, um, we are discussing gamification. It's our gamification special. (laughs) So I've been hearing the term gamification an awful lot lately. Um, So can you explain what exactly is gamification and how does it relate to the workplace? Absolutely. Let's start with what is gamification. So just like it sounds, gamification is applying game-like elements to things that aren't games. And depending on who you ask, you'll get different uh, definitions about, you know, different ways to do it. Um, We do some gamification at Incentive Pilot, but we also just do games. And that is layering an entire game on top of work rather than integrating game-like mechanics into work. So we do both. I think the core idea that I'd love to hit on today talking about gamification is understanding what's at the core of games, why they're fun, why people like them. Um, Because once you know those fundamentals, you can actually take that learning and apply it to work in different ways. You don't have to use games. Obviously, we started this podcast to talk about all the different ways to get attention at big enterprise companies. Um, And the way we do that is games. And that's what I'm excited to share today. Absolutely. I love games personally. So very excited to see where this goes. Um, I've seen games used in all sorts of environments in the workplace, but mostly physical. So what is the advantage of bringing gamification to more virtual forefront? Absolutely. So uh, a lot of people are are remote now. I know you gave me a statistic right before we started <laughs> recording. Um, where what's the state of the workplace in the U.S. right now? Yeah, um, post COVID, well, nearly post COVID, we're hitting at about fifty eight percent of the nation's workforce is either fully or partially remote. So it's wow. a pretty crazy stat. That is a lot. So I think we should just dive into the core of gamification, and then we can talk more about how it works in an office or remote. If you've ever played a game at work or run a sales contest on a sales floor, uh, you can probably relate to the idea that uh, playing that game is all about kind of creating a space uh, for a different energy at work, right? It's about helping people connect with one another, maybe engage their competitive aspect, maybe let them shine in, in ways that are outside of their role. But really it's about creating an experience and it's about creating a time and a place where people are connecting in a way that's different. And that's at the core of what games and gamification can do. When you go from the office to virtual or, fu- or fully remote, that kind of natural engagement is just going to go down uh, by a lot. And (laughs) business leaders uh, or leaders of all kinds are uh, can see that and have been trying all sorts of different things to kind of get that connection level higher. Um, and it's kind of a big mystery because it's really hard to do. And some of the natural energy you have with your peers at work and even just that little, uh, you know, hum of energy before a meeting starts where people are sharing their uh, plans for the weekend has disappeared when everyone's jumping on a Zoom call, right? So replacing some of that natural osmosis of energy and ideas is the goal. And it's really helpful to think about it as creating a time and a space for people to connect in a way that isn't just work 
talk. Um, and so games are a great way to create that time and space in a remote world because you're literally carving out, we're going to play a game right now, starting now, ending net, you know, ending 15 minutes or an hour in the future, whatever it is you're doing, you're carving out a space a virtual space for people to connect in a way where they're not talking about their latest project, the next lead, whatever they're usually talking about with their peers. Absolutely. It's kind of like the new virtual water cooler, so to speak. <laughs> Absolutely. And it, you know, you're setting a context that this is about fun and it's okay to interact in a slightly different way. Obviously you want to keep things professional, but the conversation is going to be different when we're not talking about goals or strategy or tactics. Absolutely. Well, Incentive Pilot is really paving the way for virtual gamification. So can you tell us a little bit more about Incentive Pilot? Absolutely. So Incentive Pilot is really focused on one small area of gamification, which is marketing uh, and using gamification in a marketing uh, capacity to help channel marketers and marketers at giant companies get mindshare with their teams at scale. So one of the hardest things to do if you're a marketer at a big company is get a sliver of attention from the people selling your products. And uh, over the years with more and more products and more and more partnerships rising, especially in the tech world, um, it's become harder and harder to get that mindshare. And the requirement of getting people's attention and understanding has gone up uh, you know, tenfold. So just like when you're doing cold outreach to a prospect uh, and you can expect, you know, 12 or more touch points to get just a meeting with that person, getting the attention and mindshare of your reps or channel reps is actually exactly the same. You need a ton of touch points before your message is going to start sinking in or they're going to start engaging with the ideas that you're trying to share. Because competition is so high, things need to be that much more interesting. And so games have become a powerful tool to get those touch points with, uh, with reps that are being inundated with information and creating a space uh, where they can talk about something, again, that's not work. So when it comes to games used for marketing to, to reps or channel reps, there's three things that we like to talk about. The first is context. Your average rep is getting over 100 emails a day. So to stand out in their inbox, you have to have something that's really interesting and really fun. Now that can be anything. It could be great content, but in our context, it's games. And it makes it so easy because if I'm going through 100 emails and one of them is to play a fun game or check on my poker hand, um, I'm much more likely to click through and engage with that than just another marketing email from one of the many, many brands I sell. A lot of reps are selling over a thousand different SKUs from different partners. And so you really have to stand out in that context of understanding that everybody else is sending them boring work emails and you're sending them a game is incredibly powerful. So the context of understanding uh, where your message is reaching these people, it's in their work email. And so a game is a powerful way to stand out in that context. The second is the one we already talked about, it's touch points. So when we look at programs that underperform or we're talking to people thinking about using Incentive Pilot, we say, well, walk me through your last program. Show me the emails you sent out. How did you announce it? How many reps are involved? What kind of attention you get? We look at all the different factors of what happened with their program. 
almost always they had fewer than those 12 touch points you need. And it's not just a, a couple fewer, it's a lot fewer. They might have an email that goes out at the beginning of a contest. They might have one reminder and then it's over. Something like that. The other problem is a lack of focus. These contests or programs can be announced as like bullet number 13 in a list of 35 things. And you don't have to be an empathetic person to think about if you were in their shoes, would you really be paying attention and participating in the program? So the games have a powerful way to get touch points where if you have a game you're playing every day or if you're awarded um, something along the way, you have another touch point with your marketing message and you're getting further into this engagement with your channel reps. The third thing to think about is the first idea we talked about, which is connection. You're creating a space for people to connect about something that's not your channel program. So Michaela, if you and I were reps and we're both partners uh, of a technology company, you know, it's very rare we're going to talk about their channel program or the, the latest training we got from their uh, channel marketing team. But if we're both playing their poker game, both playing their tap to flap game, both playing their space invasion game, we have a lot more to talk about in terms of who's where on the leaderboard. Hey, did you see that email? Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Uh, you know, Steph has climbed to the top. Those are the things that we're talking about and we're connecting on. And all of a sudden your marketing message or your brand is at the center of conversations that simply weren't happening before. Absolutely. And that's a great way to put it. I think paying attention is hard to do when you're overwhelmed with all of these emails flowing in. And nowadays, it's actually more than ever. I feel like everybody that I talk to is doing this crazy amount of heavy lifting. They're wearing all of these hats. Um, how can this platform help to alleviate some of that crazy amount of work for your users? Absolutely. So one of the things that... Uh, gave us the inspiration to start looking at a platform like Incentive Pilot was that we got to peek behind the curtain of how these programs are run. And in some of the early apps we built uh, years ago when we were working with our UX studio, User 10, uh, was we learned how bad some of the prize fulfillment and prize vendors were. People would win a prize and then they wouldn't get it for like three or six months. And it really took away from the program experience because maybe you engaged, maybe you did really well and you've won a prize, but then you're emailing back and forth with your manager, with the prize vendor. Maybe they don't have the thing they thought they did. And so they're correcting stuff. It kind of deflates the entire experience and understanding that the entire experience needs to be seamless, engaging, and fun and easy. You know, you want to make it easy for people to sell your products and engage with your brand. Um, you know, we just identified a ton of the issues. So when you're talking about how to make it easier, it's, you know, the last thing you want to do is make someone's experience harder. And so we sent out, to, uh, you know, we really set out to make the experience easier for the rep participating in the program. So they're likely to come back and engage in the next one, but also the marketers and program managers that are running these programs. You know, if you're running something for about 50 people, that seems to be the limit where you can do things effectively on a manual basis. Uh, above that, you really just get way too many questions, way too much back and forth, uh, especially if you're using multiple vendors for the marketing materials, the prizes for the program. There's just so much overhead to running a program that it's not fun. And these programs are designed to be fun and engaging. But if the person running them isn't 
fun, having fun and being engaging, the program's going to fall flat. How can you expect anyone to be interested in what you're doing if you're not being if you're not interested in what you're doing? Um, so you have to bring the right energy to launching a program, and the biggest piece of that bringing the right energy is ha is having things be easy and automated because if it feels like hard work it's going to come off as hard work. So we built the tools to automate all the headaches of running a program with hundreds or thousands of people where communications are automated, those touch points are automated in the game and then when it comes time for prize delivery it's 100% off the administrator's plate and you know usually it's a digital gift card but even our physical prizes are a seamless experience that's completely automated. And people love it um, because it's easy and it's fun and it adds to their work experience. It doesn't take away from it um, because a bad program is really worse than no program at all. Absolutely. Because who's going to want to attend the next one, right? Makes exactly. perfect sense. So in addition to taking some of that heavy lifting off their plates, you're also providing teams with a hefty return on investments. So what does a typical ROI look like? Well, we've seen ROI as high as 3,000 times uh, return on investment, which is crazy. More typically, we see 300. You know, we see uh, programs uh, that have cost just a couple, uh, you know, 10 or $20,000 to run, uh, reaching the, you know, seven and eight figure mark in terms of return on investment. And that's because of the high engagement with the reps. So uh, typical programs in this space, you know, really hope for 10 to 20% engagement with reps. Our programs see 60 to 80% engagement on a very regular basis. Um, and they see quali high quality engagement at rates of 50%. So if somebody's engaging with a game multiple times, uh, if they're seeing the message multiple times, if their revenue numbers are really growing, you know, those that's a 50% engagement. So a lot of these programs were going from a 5% engagement to a 50 to 80% engagement. You just, the return on investment is built in. But it's interesting you ask about return on investment because those were some of our first questions when we were working with program managers. What is your typical return on investment? A lot of the time, they couldn't even answer that question. Um, attribution is a problem. The, the long-term nature of these programs is a problem. And the cultural environment of enterprise sales is a problem. Everything is done on a quarterly basis with quarterly budgets. And there's not a whole lot of looking in the rearview mirror of what worked and why. It's very much about this is our budget for the next quarter. What are we going to do? And so changing some of those things, taking a step back, saying, hey, we really need to hit these goals for return on investment. This is how we're going to track success. And these are the reasonable timelines we're going to give to see how our training incentive at the beginning of the year resulted in revenue by the end of the year, right? Because a lot of times you run this program where uh, you're, you're trying to do a new product launch and you're incentivizing training with reps and they learn all about it. And the next time they have an opportunity to really push that product is two months later. So you need to be in front of them, stay top of mind. Our games and programs help you do that. But then you have to wait six months, nine months to look back and say, was that training program uh, effective? Was our product launch effective? Because if you look too early, you might get a false negative that, hey, those trainings didn't work. We haven't seen the revenue. Well, if the sales cycle is uh, you know, six weeks or 12 weeks and they didn't get the opportunity for 12 weeks, well, then you know, you're months into a program before you're going to see revenue that you can actually attribute to what you did. So being aware that 
attribution is important, a proper time frame, and just kind of setting those things up from the beginning, starting to measure things so you can make a meaningful difference uh, when you look back at the effectiveness of a program. But we attribute the really high effectiveness of our program almost entirely to the fact that uh, it's a lot is automated, so we can build in touch points very naturally. With all those touch points, you're going to see results if anybody is paying attention. Yeah, I just honestly, Andrew, I can't get over the 3,000 times ROI. That's insanity. That's pretty impressive. Um, so what kind of program factors can contribute to that level of success? Absolutely. So. I think just like we're looking at gamification and the goal of gamification being to set aside a time and space for engagement because engagement is going to shift the tone and create a, an environment that is productive for different things. When you think about program effectiveness uh, and engagement, it's the same thing. What are you trying to do? Not getting caught up in the details, but you're trying to get attention and you're trying to get that attention multiple times so you can stay top of mind and really gain mind share with who you're targeting with your campaign. So when you think about it that way, you need to catch attention first. And that's something eye-catching, something that breaks the pattern of what they're used to. In our case, it's games. It's very easy to break their pattern because no one else is playing games um, with their programs or they're playing uh, a very watered down, crappy version of gamification where you're just doing something, earning points, and uh, there's not a lot of energy around it. So getting that attention. The second is the touch points we talked about. So they don't need to you don't need to catch their attention once, you need to catch it 12 times or more, or you at least need to catch it a couple times and then be passively absorbed uh, the other times. So our games are designed to have those touch points multiple times. If you're not using games, the reality is you're gonna need those 12 touch points. So how does your campaign plan for 12 touch points with reps so you have enough uh, time with your message in front of them for it to sink in? When we're talking about getting attention or having touch points, things worth talking about, um, you know, a lot of people are thinking about prizes and the prize budgets that go with these programs. So some companies like to assign a prize for every activity that's done. You take this training, you get a $25 gift card. You uh, you know do this call, you get a $25 gift card. And then you have the other end of the spectrum where people really don't incentivize at all with prizes or compensation and expect reps to uh, do it all. And the reality is that the most effective programs fall somewhere in the middle. The biggest tip we can give about prizes, again, goes back to uh, attention and experience and engagement. So if you're giving away physical prizes, Make them about an experience, um, something that is some that someone will enjoy but wouldn't necessarily buy for themselves is the perfect prize because you're really rewarding awarding them with an experience that they can enjoy and something that will be memorable. If you're giving away monetary prizes or monetary you know money like prizes like gift cards, um, it's very important to understand the context of the amount you're giving away. Many times the number will look too small to a rep who's getting a ton of commission, they're not going to care at all about a $25 gift card because that's the context that they're operating in. Um, on the flip side, you don't have to give away $1,000 gift cards to everyone. That becomes untenable. If you think about your prizes from an attention-getting capacity, then a large dollar amount um, is effective in getting attention, but people also have to 
believe that they're eligible to get it. If you say, hey, this is going out to 10,000 reps and there's one $1,000 prize, nobody feels like they can win. So you might get that attention initially with 1,000, but you're not gonna sustain it because no one thinks they can win. But you also don't have to give away a $1,000 gift card to everybody that does it. Your budget would be out of control and the reality is it doesn't matter. You just have to meet a threshold where people believe it's possible for them to win. It seems to be 25% or more people are willing to roll the dice and play the game. Um, we've actually seen effective programs with much lower than that, but if the amounts are high enough, you can kind of balance it out. But you can take a program where everybody wins a $100 gift card and it's sent to a thousand people. That program would probably have the same or better results with a fraction of that budget because you could say we're giving away a $500 gift card to the top 25 people uh, or something like that where yeah, I don't know if that math works out. Um, but in real life, the math does work out. You can whittle down your prize budget by 50%, 75%, get the same or better results just by understanding uh, those two things. Are you meeting the threshold that it's possible for you to win? And are you meeting the threshold that the amount is interesting to the people you're engaging with? That's extremely fascinating. So, and if somebody's not sure where that sweet spot is, they have. I mean, you guys at Incentive Pilot have people that they can reach out to and discuss these types of conversations with. What's going to be best for my company? Absolutely. And context is huge. And uh, timing of your program is, is another huge one. Uh, you might have an amazing program that would perform great. It just happens to be launched at the same time. Uh, you know, one of the giants elephants in the room is uh, launching their program and they have more money. They have more uh, resources and your, your program is going to go by the wayside. So there's a lot of different factors, but context is a huge one. Uh, we can help you understand that context for sure. Wonderful. All right, Andrew. Well, where this is kind of a tricky question, but where do you see Incentive Pilot in the next few years? Absolutely. So, I mean, we're seeing firsthand the results we're getting with the use of games in marketing to uh, enterprise reps at giant companies or channel reps uh, across the channel. So anytime you're trying to get attention uh, on something or drive activity at scale uh, with a remote uh, with a remote force, you know, we're seeing amazing results in high engagement and driving results with crazy ROI. Now, dealing in the sales world, uh, it's easier to see that ROI because if you can change an activity and create more sales, it's easy to see that money come back. You know, our goal with an incentive pilot is to learn all the ins and outs of the things I've begun to share today so we can apply uh, the things we learn across every kind of business and organization to drive different activities at scale. Because I think if we can start to understand what really is at the core of this engagement, how it could be applied um, you know, across different business units for different purposes and you know, across the wider world to possibly do some good. Absolutely, that's wonderful. So um, I think I've asked you a lot of questions here. So everybody's probably curious to see how the creator of Incentive Pilot stacks up at Tap to Flap. So are you ready for that? I'm ready. We'll see how I stack up today. All right, it really let's varies see. with how nervous I am. <laughs> and today I'm pretty nervous. All right. We've got it. All You're right. going to do great. All right, Michaela, will you set a one minute timer for me? I sure will. Tell me when you're ready. I am Good to go. Go All for right, it. We're going to start in three, two, one. 
and we'll see how I do here live on the show. <laughs> I've practiced this a lot because I've demoed it a lot. So I have a big leg up on all of our guests who have been such amazing sports and playing the game. So that's 12. I don't think that takes me to the top of the leaderboard, but it gets me close. But I'm going to beat it I think that's higher than I could have gotten. So <laughs> Long before the minute is over, we're going to beat that. But my nerves are building up here. Got I don't it. know what our no company high, high score is, but it's well over 100. I think our CTO, Josh, has it. Oh, jeez. Now, yeah, you can only to get to about practicing. 60 on the show because each pipe is about a second. But if you keep going after the minute's over, oh, there we go. So okay. 41, how much time is left? Great question. I do not know. All right. Well, we'll end it there. 41 is a good score. <laughs> I think it's great. Well, thank you so much, Andrew. I know this is kind of a weird flip of perspectives here, but I really appreciate you answering all my questions. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was fun to sit on the other side of the table, and I hope we can do it again soon. Absolutely. We sure will. Awesome. Thanks, Michaela. <laughs>